Hello and welcome to Queering Desi. I'm your host, Priya. As a South Asian queer non-binary person, I have learned a lot on my journey of self-acceptance and building community. So in each episode, I will bring you a slice of South Asian LGBTQ life with a guest who exemplifies what it means to be who you are and to live your truth. I like to create a safe and open discussion with our guests and listeners. So if the topics on this podcast are controversial, please know these opinions are of the guest and host, and we don't mean any offense. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another brand new episode of Querying Daisy. This week, we are excited to welcome Chef Naveen and his husband, Andrew, who recently won season 12 of the Great Food Truck Race, along with their friend, Sarah. As established restaurateurs from Dallas, Texas, Naveen and Andrew brought their unique Indian Tex-Mex flair to the competition. But also making an appearance was Naveen's alter ego, Ms. Tika Masala, a sassy Indian drag queen. We talked to Naveen and Andrew about how they met, their journey as restaurateurs, and of course, all about Ms. Tika Masala. This was a really fun episode, and we hope you enjoy it too. And just a note for our listeners, this will be the last episode of season three. Be sure to follow us on social media at Queering Desi to stay up to date on when season four will be coming your way. Thank you for all your support all season long, and we hope to come back with a bang really soon. So without much further ado, please welcome Naveen and Andrew. This week on Crane Daisy, we are very excited to welcome Naveen and Andrew, who you may have seen on the Food Network's The Great Food Truck Race. Congratulations on winning, both of you, and thank you for being on. Thank you so much. We're excited to be here today. If you can take a moment to just introduce each of yourselves to our listeners, uh, just a brief who you are and your pronouns. Sure. Um, So I'm Chef Naveen Hariprasad. I'm from Dallas, Texas, uh, born and raised. I'm South Asian. My mom is from Mysore. My dad is from Malaysia, but his family is originally from Bangalore, but I am a first generation Indian. So I'm representing the Desi in this group. <laughs> I love it. And on the Tex-Mex side, I'm born <laughs> born and raised in Texas, and I love Mexican food. Uh, <laughs> my name's Andrew. I was actually born in Arlington, Texas, just outside of Dallas, and then uh, pretty much have lived here. But I had a, a career in broadcasting and then moved into marketing and advertising uh, before we got into restaurants. Well, that's wonderful. I definitely want to dive into how you all got into restaurants, but I'd love to know first off the bat how you guys met. Well, so um, Andrew and I actually met 13 years ago, which seems so freaking long ago, but it's just passed by so fast. We met at a mutual friend's birthday party, and it was so funny because both of us were really hesitant to go to the party that night for some reason, but we just really pushed ourselves to go. We were introduced by that mutual friend, and we just had an instant connection And so uh, we've been together for now 13 years. We got married last year in January of 2019. And what was really unique was, uh, you know, because it was a fusion wedding, my mom did the Indian ceremony. And then uh, we got married by a drag queen during our American ceremony. So who's one of our good friends. So it was really, it was a fun time. So yeah, we've been celebrating for 13 years now. 
13 years, that seems like forever. I, I love that you also did both ceremonies. I mean, we still in the South Asian queer community don't see a lot of examples of weddings like that. I know it can be somewhat heteronormative for people, but for those who, who do choose to get married, like to see that, I love that you made it your own. I think that's something that's so unique. Yeah, I, I thought actually what was one of the great things is, of course, I'd been exposed to many Indian weddings and realized how long, you know, and kind of drawn out they were and sometimes how beautiful yet informal they were, you know, the actual ceremony. And uh, what was great is on our, our we kind of had an Indian ceremony on our Friday night of the weekend. And uh, that was actually done by Naveen's mom. And but it was great because you have Naveen's family, who's pretty progressive. But even then, I mean, just extremely welcoming and loving. And of course, my family's there as well. Um, so and we were all in Indian attire, you know. And so, and of course, my family was too. So that was fun to see that all come together. Yeah, we um, we combined the Sangeet with the Indian ceremony. So you know, a lot of times when you're doing the Indian puja, it just like takes a really long time. So we actually did like an abbreviated version. It was like 30 minutes, which it was so funny because all of our Indian friends were like, we need to come to more Indian weddings like this. Yeah, it was great too. We did it more like a cocktail party style. So we had, you know, people being able to get Mindy done and then we had uh, cocktails and appetizers, you know, so it was a little bit more relaxed and made everybody feel comfortable. Yeah. And all my aunties were helping his aunts with their saris and they were just looking forward to it. And I mean, these, some of these relatives were from like Wisconsin. So, you know, it was like on their bucket list to go to an Indian wedding and have the full experience. And, uh, you know, the stereotypes always, you know, four days minimum to have like a true Indian wedding. So, yeah, we really made it our own. We definitely um, had a lot of a lot of people's bucket lists were checked that weekend because you got <laughs> check gay wedding, check Indian wedding, check drag queen. <laughs> you couldn't get anything else. And I, like our Saturday night uh, event was the main part of the wedding, but we really wanted that to be like a big dance party. Basically, bring a big gay bar to, <laughs> to all of our friends and family, and it was great because it was all about dancing and having a good time and keeping the focus, you know, on that and. Uh, it was still special, you know, and we had, we had, like I said, a drag queen minister and she's really well known here in Dallas, Casanova, but she was our minister and it was fantastic. It was a huge surprise for our families to have that there. And then it just instantly turned into a dance party. So it was, it was an incredible weekend and it was just fun to see all the families coming together. And we didn't want it to be like that awkward uh, wedding, whether cultural or not, where you have a bunch of people just sitting in their seats, just looking at right. you know, the few people on the dance floor. So we literally had no seating in the actual reception room. We said, if you want to sit, you can sit outside in the lobby. There's like a little <laughs> area over there, but we're here to dance, you know, bring yeah. your dancing shoes on. So it was we danced for like four hours and then we did an after party. So, I mean, it was definitely an amazing wedding. It was, like you said, our own uh, creation. And we were able to kind of represent both communities coming together. I love that. I think so much of what folks in our communities do is so outside of the box. And I think in some ways it's really freeing, right, to just be like, I can just make this whatever I want. I don't have to follow the norms. And especially for South Asian cultures where there's such a history and such a tradition, I think it's great to see you like honor that, but then also like just say, you know what, we're going to chuck this and just redraw it. And that's great. I want to know more about the drag queen, <laughs> the minister. You talk about the choice to have that because, of course, there's a link with with Mystica Masala as well. Yeah, so Cassie Nova is one of our good friends. She actually, we've known her since we both, you know, been out as young members of the LGBTQ community in Dallas. And so Cassie Nova knows us from not only the clubs and going and supporting her in the drag shows, but I've actually worked with her at uh, University of Texas at Dallas, which is where I went to school. 
Um, we actually did a fraternity drag queen competition where we had straight fraternity guys dress up in drag and then real drag queens come out, perform, and then judge them. And it was such a huge hit. It was like the first big LGBTQ event that I threw at um, UTD. And it really kind of broke a lot of barriers for us. So, and that was, you know, over 15 years ago. So to imagine that we could do something like that. So I hosted as an Indian drag queen. I literally, my first number was Cholique Piche Kyahe. <laughs> and then, you know, I came out in Alunga and my mom and dad were on the front row. So they've been super supportive of me uh, expressing myself um, in drag. And, you know, drag means different stuff to different people. So for me, it's always been more of an artistic expression, a freeing way to be a different personality and and be more sassy and, you know, not so culturally appropriate. And I love it. So Casinova has supported us really throughout the years. And we've supported drag culture, of course, throughout the years. Now, and I, I wanted to be a drag queen for a long, long time. But obviously, with cultural expectations, it was more of like, you need to go, you know, get an education, get your master's, do those kind of things. So that's what I ended up doing. Yeah. And I was going to say Cassie Nova, she is the main host of the Rose Room show. The Rose Room show is our famous drag show here in Dallas at S4. Of course, we knew her through before Naveen and I knew, knew each other. We knew her while we were dating. Uh, but I told Naveen kind of, kind of jokingly, but kind of seriously when we first started dating that I wouldn't, you know, propose to anyone until 10 years. <laughs> and uh, on, on literally our 10th anniversary, our 10-year anniversary, I called Cassie Nova and said, hey, I'm going to go buy a ring and I want to propose to him on the stage tonight. Could we make that happen? And so she did. And so I called all of our friends. I was like, hey, I know this is super last minute. If you can go to the club tonight and do, you know, don't tell Naveen. And they were all there. He was still kind of clueless, but she brought us up on stage um, and so I proposed to him on the stage there. So she has a lot of tie-ins, you know, to that. And I, I told her that night, I was like, we're going to have you be our minister. And so, it's yeah, I was only clueless because I waited 10 years for that ring. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, and of course, it sounds my, like he told you it would be 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> I, especially, yeah, he literally like, I think it was, we were dating like less than six months and we both weren't necessarily looking for a relationship at that time, but we stumbled upon each other and it just he, worked. He, he so knew naturally. the, he knew the terms and I was worth the wait. So yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> he set the expectations. I waited. It was worth it. So, and it worked out for both of us, but her coming to this ceremony and being our officiant for the American was just naturally something we wanted to do and have her be part of. And also, you know, we've spent some time educating both the Indian side of my family and his side of the family on drag culture, you know, and it was really interesting. Two years ago, I took Andrew to India um, and we met up with my parents and my mom literally thought being a drag queen was being transgendered. And in some mm -hmm. cases it can be, but, you know, there's such a large spectrum. So it was really interesting to think that she had assumed that I wanted to be a certain way. And so I really spent the time to like educate her on what it meant for me personally and how it was a way to express myself. And I think it really kind of opened up her mind even more of just acceptability and realizing that if I wanted to be a woman, I would have probably done it by now, you know, kind of thing. So, and there's nothing wrong with either way of which way you go. 
Yeah, I think like those conversations are what's so key, right? To have visibility in the community, even now, whether on this podcast or shows like the one you were on, like just to see folks that look like us, feel like us, that have stories like us even is so important so that you can have those conversations because there are still so many misconceptions and things like that. And you can't always just say, you know, read a book about it or you got to know somebody or see somebody or have those conversations. And so I love that that kind of turned into that opportunity for you. I want to switch gears a little bit to Naveen and and for both of you with the restaurant, but Naveen, for you, like cooking, how did you kind of come across that and and develop this whole, you know, pathway to being a chef and and eventually to the restaurant and the truck? So my mom is an incredible chef. I know a lot of people are like, my mom has the best cooking. No, hands (laughs) down, my mom is literally the best cook ever. And she's strict vegetarian. So that in itself is a challenge, but to keep it fresh and new and flavorful and well-balanced, it really takes a unique skill and talent. And my mom definitely has it. I remember we would go out to eat and she could have a vegetarian dish and be like, I'm going to make this at home and I'm going to make it so much better. And she totally would. So I started helping her in the kitchen when she threw large parties, you know, 75 people or more. I'd be her sous chef in the kitchen. And I started really developing my passion for the food that way. And one thing that I really noticed with my mom is she always said, you have to cook with love. You have to have that kind of energy that goes into your food because it translates into the flavor of the food. It translates into the effort. So my relationship with food was actually really healthy growing up. And I felt like a lot of it had to do with my mom, of course, cooking for at home. And then, of course, being predominantly vegetarian. I, however, you know, eat meat. Being born and raised here was a little bit more convenient for me to do so. And so I had to find a perfect balance with accommodating and respecting my mom's wishes of not bringing meat home and doing that kind of stuff and then figuring out my own path. So I eventually became a dietitian and I really developed the passion for modifying foods that aren't healthy for you into a healthier version. And so I eventually joined Parkland Hospital, which is the largest county hospital in the country and worked as a clinical dietitian there. So I used to see patients with cardiovascular disease and congestive heart failure. And I would say, hey, you know what? You can really flavor a lot of your foods if you try out some of these spices. You don't have to add salt. Just try a little bit of a fresher, healthier option and more flavor through seasonings. So we really noticed a huge difference, especially with patients not coming back to the hospital as frequently and then really enjoying what they were eating. And so upper management saw that and promoted me. And I eventually started modifying the actual patient's foods that they were getting in the hospital. So we also noticed patients were eating better, going home sooner, and then following the diet when they went home. But really, I couldn't reach my full potential because obviously I'm not cooking like straight up Indian food at Parkland Hospital for people that have never had it before. So I was doing like, you know, little fusion dishes, little tweaks here and there to make it more interesting. Well, we saw an opportunity to open up a restaurant in downtown Dallas where we were living. And we had seen several restaurants turn over in that space. But we said, you know what, maybe a to-go healthier Indian concept would work in this space where we don't have to open up a full restaurant, but we can try it out and see if it's well-received. So we were able to get the space. I left my job at Parkland full-time. We literally opened four months later. February 2015 is when Spice in the City opened. And we did start as just healthier Indian and really literally gave portions of food to our customers. So can you imagine 
this old auntie or uncle coming in and getting like a cup of rice. They were freaking <laughs> out. They were like, where is the rice? Why are you guys like, you know, <laughs> being so strict? And we were really trying to educate the Indians too about how to eat healthier portions just in general as well. So it was very interesting to kind of create this concept. But on our first day that we opened, we sold out of our entire week's worth of food in one day. So, you know, Indian food takes forever to cook. So we were really overwhelmed, but we really adapted very quickly. It was crazy, actually. I mean, it was on our first day open, it was only myself, uh, Naveen, our friend Sarah, and Naveen's mom, who, of course, you know, she's used to cooking in her own kitchen, you know, at her own pace. And here we are, we see this line, you know, on our first door, we roll up our window and there's a line out there. And I mean, we're excited about it, but, you know, we, we went through all of our food so quickly and we were, I, I just remember that day, you know, like there was no time between lunch and dinner service because we just had to do all the dishes, get everything ready, you know. And basically by the time that day ended, I was like, okay, we got to go to sleep for two hours, wake up and get everything prepped for tomorrow. So we knew quickly that it was going to be a success there. Yeah. But we did have our challenges with um, the restaurant at first because Indian food is not also widely received well. I mean, in regards to uh, acceptability, I think sometimes people have aversions to trying Indian food for the first time, or maybe they've had a bad experience. Or, or, you, have, or you have a lot of white family like me that thinks everything's spicy. <laughs> like, or curry. <laughs> yeah, everything's spicy or curry. You know, if you go to Indian buffet, sometimes it's really, obviously really heavy you're trying to get the most bang for your bucks. You're eating a lot of food and it's a little bit more heavy and oily and greasy sometimes. So, you know, there's definitely a reason why those aversions have been created. So our goal was really to create a more relatable concept. So that's why we eventually fused into Indian Tex-Mex fusion because it uses a lot of the same spice profiles. But, you know, someone's going to recognize a tikkadilla, you know, the tikka masala quesadilla more than they are an Indian curry with I, like a, a crazy name. Yeah, I feel like our our food was an opportunity. It was almost like a, a gateway into Indian food because we would have a lot of people that would come and never had had Indian food or any kind of daisy food at all. And they would come in, sit down, have this amazing tikka dia or these tikka nachos or now, you know, we have this tikka queso. And once you have that, I mean, you can win anyone's heart with queso. <laughs> so, you know, like once you have the tikka queso, they're like, oh my gosh, well, I want to try the curries now. I want to try the masalas. And so it's great. I mean, I, f- I feel like we turn a lot of people into foodies too that were not foodies. And so it's really exciting to hear, you know, people get excited about the same food we're excited about as well. Yeah. And we definitely have bridged the gap with not only the Indian aversion to trying different foods, but we've also shown a lot of our customers that you can eat healthier through Indian or ethnic food and also feel full and get a well-balanced meal. So a lot of times uh, in the beginning, we were like, just finish your meal and let us know what you think after. And so they would finish their chicken tikka masala with basmati rice and then a side of raita. And they're like, okay, that was perfect for me. I don't feel like crazy stuffed, but I feel perfect. I don't feel bloated. I'm going to be able to go to work and be productive for the next couple of hours. So it was kind of a win-win situation. So we're really starting to see a positive trend of what we were doing here in Dallas. I was going to say, we went ahead and opened up. Um, there was a space above us that we rented out for as a venue uh, while we had the restaurants to go window only. And we, we soon realized like we had people sitting around our lobby on the stairs you know, looking for tables. So we realized, you know, we had to add some tables. So we actually expanded our whole upstairs 
area. We have this gorgeous dining room. We have a bar. We have a beautiful outdoor patio. And the outdoor patio is really unique because we're in downtown Dallas amongst all these downtown buildings. And we're in a residential tower. We're on the bottom and second floors. And our patio actually overlooks the pool deck of this condo. So people can come have lunch there. And it's kind of like a resort style, cabana style dining experience that you would never see from the street level. So um, it's kind of unexpected as well. So it's fun to see people come there on their first dates and then come back, you know, for anniversaries or come there for birthdays. And you start to realize like it's more than just a business. It's part of like a fabric. You know, you're part of the fabric of the community and, and your neighbors, your next door neighbors. And we've been really lucky to cater several really big things. You know, Jithin Hingarani, who connected us, he uh, has been a huge supporter of us. And so we've done the DFW South Asian Film Festival several times. We've been able to cater for Ajay Devgan and Kajal when they came into town, Kavitha Krishnamurthy, and then we've done some Hollywood people as well. So it's been really fun to have this experience and showcase our food to different demographics. What's really cool, too, is we're next door in downtown Dallas, uh, next door to AT&T World Headquarters, which, as you can imagine, has a huge Indian population, which is (laughs) awesome. So they all come over for lunch, but, uh, and they bring all their white friends. And I love that, <laughs> you know, cause I'm like, this is great. But, uh, honestly, having AT&T next door has been fantastic too, because we have this lunch crowd that always comes through. And, you know, some people come every day for lunch. Some people come once a week. So the support, even from, you know, our, the employees and our, our residents that live around us are so, you know, is so huge. And so it's been amazing to be a part of this and watch it grow over the last five years. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you you brought up so many great points, I think. Like, being part of the fabric of the community means also really being seen. And so it really sounds like you've been able to blend that traditional and that taste palette, but then also say, hey, we're in Texas. You know, Tex-Mex is where it's at. And so here's how we can bring them both together. And it sounds like that's been really successful for you guys. We find with having the business, there's a lot of opportunities for us to give back. It's great. We work with a resource center here in Dallas, and we do a lot of their charity events to help them raise funds. Anytime we can do those kind of things and give back, we do. And it feels great. I mean, uh, to see our customers smile and to hear, you know, that we can give back and, and do good in our community feels very rewarding too. So. So talk a little bit about the growth then, right? You start out and, and you realize you need to expand from a to-go window and it becomes a full-blown restaurant. Talk about like some of these virtual pop-ups and eventually the truck and, and kind of the growth from that initial space. We really enjoyed having the full dine-in experience just because you know, you have the ability to really have more customer engagement and interaction, get feedback from customers and meet people from all over the world. So it was just kind of a natural high for us to transition into that model. But we had started to see virtual restaurants as a concept in New York City, where a restaurant that had been known for making great cuisine could maybe create a different concept out of the same kitchen, but allow delivery and to go as an option. So When I had started reading about it, I was like, that would be actually a great idea here in Dallas. And since we were one of the restaurants to open on the Uber Eats platform in Dallas, when Uber virtual restaurants started, they had actually approached us and asked us to be one of the first restaurants to launch in Dallas. So what was interesting is at that time, I was actually um, trying to be vegetarian. And so I had been not eating meat for about 10 months, not drinking at all, but I had found that there was a lot of lack of variety um, when it came to vegan food and vegetarian food in Dallas that was healthy, you know, but still had a lot of flavor. So that was also a missing component in a sense. So that's how Lucky Cat Vegan was created. 
um, which is our all plant-based Asian concept. And that has been such a huge hit because we've created well-balanced nutrition for vegans and vegetarians, and but we've also created a plant-based alternative where even if you do eat meat, you feel great about maybe substituting some of our food a couple of times a week because you're not missing that meat component, but you still are kind of being tricked that you're having it. And what's cool is too, uh, so we, we started this little Lucky Cat Vegan, all plant-based, and it just immediately shot through the roof. We, you know, we were on all the delivery platforms, uh, but we even told people, you know, hey, if you come into Spice in the City and ask for the secret menu, you can dine in. And it was fantastic because then we realized there's a whole bunch of vegan restaurants that cater to vegans, but there's not a place that a lot of vegans can go to where their friends that are not vegan can also have, you know, dishes to look forward to. And so it was fantastic to see everybody come in and, and they come in on the sly and they're, they're like, Hey, can I get the secret menu? <laughs> you know? And so <laughs> it's a, it's a fun experience for them too. And I, I'm biased. I know, but I, I don't, I don't make the food. I just eat it and I love everything. Uh, Naveen makes so. Well, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> he's a good cook too, but he's definitely an excellent baker and bartender. So I leave that to him for yeah, sure. Booze, booze and baking are my uh, categories. <laughs> oh my god! Between the two of you, you've got it all covered. You got the drinks, you got the desserts. Oh you've yeah, got the- <laughs> we know how to throw a party. Trust me. If yeah. you ever come to Dallas, come to our parties for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, so then we started hot off the press, which is an outdoor cafe concept that Andrew really took under his wings, which is paninis, soups, and salads. So we were creating really kind of a fast, casual park concept that was a little bit more upscale. So that's also in downtown Dallas. Uh, and then we created the Cajun Queen with a chef that I had worked with at Parkland Hospital who wanted to also start her own restaurant. And so we partnered up with her to really be mentors and help her with really kind of getting it started. So the Cajun Queen was a pop-up concept that we had at Spice in the City on weekends that started this year. So we have quite a robust amount of options coming out of Spice in the City. We also do Chef Naveen Catering, which is pretty much all types of catering, all types of cuisine, and we customize it based on each client. So we've done weddings, we've done bridal showers, we've done sangeets. You know, we've done a lot of different events, which has been incredible. We have, I was going to say AT&T one time we did, uh, for their employees, 2000 employees, fajita dinner. So that was a pretty cool thing. But we also do some really fun stuff that like at uh, Indian weddings, we'll do like a chop bar, uh, and you can go get our Pontypori station. And so people can kind of build their own Pontypori. I love that too, because we do a lot of blended weddings. And so it's fun because people are learning about this. Like, well, what is that? You know, you know, finding all the ingredients and find out. What everything is, it's kind of fun too. So. Yeah, and you know a good party, you have to have good music and you have to have good food, right? And then you got to have booze. So, you know, <laughs> we love doing special events like this because a lot of people are looking for something new and unique and maybe that they've not had before. And fusion can be done really wrong. So um, we really want people to venture out of their comfort zone, be stimulated and say, oh, my God, when can I have some more? And we love throwing events and parties. And so our restaurants do their own share of events. Like we have a big pride night that we do at Spice in the City. And we do these uh, we call them uh, five dollar uh, big ass margaritas and they're big gay margaritas. And they have like flags and rainbows all over them. And it's a lot of fun. But we do a lot of different events. We did a vegan Valentine's for all the vegans out there because it's hard to go find a place for vegan food, you know, on Valentine's Day and find and dating somebody that's also a vegan, you know, where you have that like-minded thing. So we try to do events that are fun and unique, but also things that we would love to attend, you know, that we think would be fun. And so or our friends would think would be fun to attend. And we kind of design our events based on that. So we don't actually have a food truck, 
I was on Guy's Grocery Games about two years ago. I competed in that show. They had recruited me looking for the spiciest chefs in America. And so, which I am one of the spiciest <laughs> chefs in America. So uh, both person- personality and by seasoning, but we definitely thought that that opportunity was incredible and it really had a boost in our business for sure. Anytime you're on Food Network, people are going to definitely take your food seriously. So I looked at that opportunity and said, okay, I need to apply for some other Food Network shows and see if we can get casted. So a year later, I got approached by Great Food Truck Race and they casted the three of us on the show and they had asked us what kind of concept did we want to do? Well, we knew we wanted to bring our Indian Tex-Mex flair to the competition because we know that this particular types of cuisine would be well-received in a lot of different areas of the country. Um, but we also, seeing the previous episodes of The Great Food Truck Race, know that there's always elements of surprise. There's some level of entertainment where you need to really kind of up your value. Um, and, you know, if you're charging $15 for an entree that's really small in a little boat... You got to really make sure that the person's having an enhanced overall experience. So we decided that Mystica Masala was going to make her debut on TV. <laughs> and I said, you know what? If I'm going to be on TV as a drag queen, this is probably going to be the best time <laughs> for me to do it. Why not? And so that's pretty much how we got um, casted and got on the show. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the drag persona. I think it was so fascinating. You're, like you're saying it broad, like an extra factor to that. Can you talk a little bit about what that meant, was like for you and how it kind of felt in duration of the show as well? Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, I've always had this very androgynous look, you know, throughout my childhood, I've done theater and dance and singing. So I've always been able to express myself in a lot of different ways. And I love theater just as a passion. So the first time I did drag, I was actually 18 and my parents actually came to that show. I I did it at the Rose Room, which is the best drag show here in Dallas, Texas. And I remember it was uh, during amateur night and it was with Alyssa Edwards and Asia O'Hara, who are big drag queens now, you know, in, in the community. And we were all performing our first night together, pretty much. And so it went off really well. And, you know, I really thought, okay, is this something that I could do? But obviously, like I said, I pursued my education. But I've always wanted to create this alter personality of myself that's more voluptuous. You know, the Indian woman is really beautiful. Indian outfits are very glamorous and showy. And, you know, I think that it's time that Indians show a little bit more sass when it comes to personality. And we're not so conservative when it comes to, you know, showing what we really think and how we feel. So... The fact that I'm gay and out and proud and widely accepted through friends and family, I thought, okay, I'm not sure how my family is going to do with me being a drag queen on TV, but I'm sure as hell going to give it a chance and see what ends up happening. And incredibly enough, I mean, everyone was super supportive. They haven't made it awkward by like asking weird questions or anything like that. And I think they really understood that this was an opportunity for me to showcase a different side of myself, artistically express myself, and that I was being creative in how we were going to draw people in to the food truck and really sell them on our Indian Tex-Mex fusion. Yeah, and I, as the marketing side of things, of course, Mystica adds a huge uh, bit of flair to our marketing. And Mystica, from the get-go, we knew we wanted her to be approachable, but sassy, just like her character. 
Um, and so we kind of did that with like our branding. So when we'd arrive to new cities, we'd get Mystica out and she'd go out in the town and shoot some videos and, and meet with people because that was part of the challenge of the food truck race as well. Rima, you're the Bonnie to my Buri. What? That sounds like something that should be on a t-shirt. It is. From Bakwas Apparel. Have you ever wished you had a brand that embraced your multicultural identity, deconstructed stigmas, and helped you pursue your passions? Oh yeah, for sure. Well, Bakwas is a brand motivated by people who are doing what makes them happy. And they understand what it means to be who you are and what it takes to be true to yourself. Something we believe in deeply here at Queering Desi. Aww, PR. Yeah, they have that on a t-shirt too. Inspired by this generation of go-getters, innovators, disruptors, and dreamers, Bakwas wants you to join the movement and proudly wear your identity for the world to see. Check out their premium South Asian designs on their website, www.bakwasapparel.com, and use the code NA15 for an exclusive 15% discount just for you, our listeners. Join the movement. Be Bakwas. And baby, you're the pani to my puri too. <laughs> okay, back to the show. Yeah, and talk about the show, right? So what were some of the most memorable moments? What was stressful? What was hard? Um, tell us a little bit about what it was like. The number one first off stressful thing is, first of all, we get offered to come on the show, which is amazing. But we literally are in the midst of launching at that time our cafe at the park. And we have, you know, these restaurants all operating and we have a busy catering schedule and all three of the owners at the time, Sarah, myself and Naveen all also work in the restaurant as shifts, you know? So we, I literally, when we knew we were going to be gone, we're like, okay, worst case scenario, we're gone a week and come home, you know, after we get eliminated the first week, best case scenario, we're gone for six weeks, but then, you know, six weeks, what does that mean for us? That means we have to have coverage for that full time. And how do we do that? So Actually, part of it was even just going on the journey being able to commit to that journey was a lot, especially because we were one of the only teams that owned a restaurant. There was only one other team on our season of the show that owned a restaurant. That was kind of the biggest like uh, leap of faith to go do it. And then once you get out there, you realize actually the biggest challenge of the food truck. I mean, the food truck has its own uh, issues. You know, every, every one of the trucks is really interesting. A lot of people don't know this, but a lot of the trucks that are on the show might be from the mid 90s. They all have new wraps, but they all have their own quirks and their own issues, you know, but it's kind of every team has the same kind of, you know, quirks on their truck. So you just kind of have to find workarounds and all that. But the challenges were actually going city to city because every city you went to, the show required us to get approval from the owners of everywhere we went to go set up at for not only recording, but just to make sure that we had permission to sell there and those kind of things. And that actually was really difficult because we're going to a lot of cities we'd never had been to before. We didn't know where the best places were to go at certain times. And some of the show was recorded during the weekends, but sometimes it would be recorded during the week. And, you know, uh, it was in the middle of summer. So, you know, we had heat that we were dealing with. There were a lot of challenges outside of the actual food truck competition that, that make the show what it is. Yeah, and you definitely have a lot of variables when it comes to operating a food truck. The right weather that day, are people going to actually come out and support you? marketing to the right demographics so that they know that you're coming and where you're going to be located at and how long you're going to be selling for the right price point, the right portion, permitting, health department permitting. I mean, there's so many different things that you really have to focus on. 
And really, as part of the show, they're giving you a real life experience of what it is to own a food truck. So we're having to clean the truck on our own. You know, we're working 18 hour days where we're getting up, we're shooting, we're cooking, we're shopping, we're prepping, we're cleaning the truck. You know, there's a lot of different variables that we got to learn in such a short period of time, which was priceless just in regards to the experience itself. We definitely saw a lot of love coming from all of the teams that we competed with. I think a lot of teams knew that a drag queen was definitely a a new angle that hadn't been really shown on Food Network. And so that was something that we knew would set us apart. And we had a lot of things that we were representing as a team, not only the LGBTQ, we were representing us being a married couple and together for a long time, minorities, the same thing with dietitian, you know, and me. One of the hardest things was, you know, really competing against lunch ladies who we love, who was, you know, second runner up. Their whole initiative is healthier eating in schools. And that's like one of the biggest things that I believe is, you know, early primary uh, intervention through nutrition. And so it was hard competing against them because I wanted them to win too. So that was a challenge for me as well as, okay, what angle are we really going to shoot for in regards to our team and what it's representing? How is the show going to create this storyline once it's aired? And what will be the outcome, you know, obviously after the show ends up airing? Yeah, when I watched the show um, as a viewer, I always thought, yeah, there's probably like three or four teams on there that are probably not that skilled. You know, they're just going along for the show. But when we got there, it was really clear to me right away that all the trucks were really talented. I mean, and... At least with our season, it felt like all the trucks had a lot of hustle. The team that we uh, ran head to head with the most, the lunch ladies, they had a strong hustle game and they were uh, sometimes one step ahead of us, you know, in certain cities. So it's kind of crazy, but the, you would be drained because you would work a 14 hour day, have to go back, like Naveen said, and clean the truck, get it all ready to go. So, and then the next morning, it's all over again. So, and they throw challenges in your way too. So you might, Tell everyone on your social media, hey, we're going to be there. And you might have a huge group there. And then all of a sudden the show says, sorry, actually, before you go there, you're going to have to go over to this agave farm and get some agave, <laughs> you know. And so next thing you know, you have to, all those people that were waiting for you left. And so it, it's kind of one of those things that's really difficult. And the, the show can't even show you all the stuff that happens, you know, unfortunately. But they definitely had a lot to work with this season, though. I, w- I will... <laughs> say, I personally felt like this was their best season yet in regards to the food truck race. It really represented a diverse group of people just from different backgrounds. And I'm happy that the Food Network was really supportive of the LGBTQ initiative, especially Tyler Florence with it all. He was appreciative that I was out loud and proud and saying honey and baby all the time and, you know, being sassy mystica. And, you know, the thing that I really loved was he enjoyed our food and you could tell on camera that he was being very authentic when it came to just his experience. So I love that. It was just very positive representation. I I think what we've learned is, you know, both gay men as restaurant owners, all that, the more authentic you can be, the better everything is. And so at every level, if any challenge came up to us, we're like, just, you know, be your true self, be authentic to yourself, do exactly what you do. And that seemed to, to prove to be the right, you know, method for us. So, 
I really think that is why you connected with viewers and, and your customers so well is because it was very clear, not only that you were personally invested in so many of the things that you, you were creating and talking about, but also because you were just being yourselves. And I think there is something really attractive about that just as, as a person, as a consumer, as a follower or a fan, just to see like, hey, you're being your real self and maybe in some ways inspiring others that, that don't feel that they can, you know, to do that as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I feel like every time you are honest with yourself and you're a little bit more truthful as your true self, you become a little bit more free. So I feel like every time you shed away those little barriers, you just become an even better, more brilliant person. So I, I'm excited about that. One of the things I noticed along the show, you know, we being from Texas, you know, even though we're in Dallas, which is progressive, some of Texas is pretty conservative. And, you know, we weren't sure where, where the show would take us, what areas we were going to. So we did, we did have frank discussions about like, if we go to an area that might not be as open to a drag queen, how are we going to move forward with that? Would we put Mystique out there? And we, we decided we'd kind of play it on a case by case basis, but you know, not, not out of shame, but just purely out of the competition and trying to understand, you know, and try to read, read the cities we're going to. But I'll tell you, everywhere we went to was very welcoming. I mean, you might have a couple people you'd see say certain things and that, you know, that kind of stuff. But for the most part, I would say it was incredible. And the youth that's out there, I'm, I'm talking like the, the young kids would come up to Mystica and just be enamored with her. And uh, I was really proud of us for always, you know, projecting a pretty positive role, you know, on, on the show at least. And oh, for sure. Um, even in our competition style, I, you know, I'm pretty competitive just in nature. But I definitely was like, you know what? Everything needs to be in the spirit of the competition. And in fact, that's what the show, the show was really great about pushing that, you know, like everything is going to be done in the spirit of the competition. So they wanted everything to be as fair uh, for everyone as possible. And I thought that was really great too. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't as produced as some quote unquote reality shows maybe, you know, so. Right. And, and is there any kind of, uh, now that you've won and, and it was so successful and people have loved it so much, what has the reaction have been afterwards for you guys after your win? And also, has there been any discussion of actually making this a food truck and, and taking it out because it was so successful for you guys? Yeah, I mean, th those are the decisions that have really been huge for us to really think about, especially now with COVID and our restaurants are closed as of now, not uh, hopefully not permanently, but, you know, we do want to keep our employees and customers safe. So we have decided to take the route of, of not being open, but we are getting daily messages from viewers and our restaurant loyal customers and new customers that are wanting to come out saying, when are you guys going to open? We want to try those tiquitillas and nachos. And yeah, it's definitely hard. We want to be open and ready to go. I think a food truck is an incredible outlet for us. But I definitely feel like the return on the investment is maybe not really there. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, anyone that owns a food truck operator is a hustler because it doesn't matter how, how much tourism your city has or whatever. You have to get up and move your restaurant to the location, you know, and set it up. <laughs> uh, that's a really difficult feat for any, anybody. So my hats are off to anybody that can Absolutely. do that. I, I think we realize, you know, that's a lot of work. But it is something that we've talked about. You know, we've done these pop-up dinner experiences. We've done our Lucky Cat vegan pop-ups. And so Mystica Masala may do some more like pop-up inspired dinners if in lieu of the truck. Um, and she's also um, probably going to make appearances for different charity events and those kind of things. To yeah, I'm open to whatever possibilities come our way. If, you know, Mystica really 
I felt got, her character got developed really well throughout the show. We've had a lot of LGBTQ reach out to us. I've had several moms with LGBTQ youth at home reach out to me and say that their kids, you know, love the show, really looked up to Mystica as a role model. I've had other people that have said, we didn't really know how to explain drag to our kids. And the show was a really great way to do that. I think sometimes drag, and I'm not complaining about this, but, you know, can sometimes be hypersexualized. And of course, we're on, you know, we're going to be on Food Network. So we tone that down quite a bit. And I think it makes it a lot more approachable for families. I mean, I'm not saying that it has to be so vanilla, but I do think it is a way, it's like that first step, you know, it's the gateway, <laughs> you know, into acceptance and, and exposing children to that, making sure that kids know, like, look, it, it's fun. Look how glamorous, you know, this person is. And it's, you know, it doesn't have to be weird. It's, it's unique, you know, it's different. So what's next? You mentioned this a little bit, Naveen, um, but after COVID or kind of long-term, what, what do you guys think uh, is in your future? What are you working on or conceptualizing? You know, we have the restaurants potentially that will open back up. We also have some media opportunities that we're exploring. And we've been working on doing uh, recipe books as well as cooking videos for uh, people that are staying at home, yeah, seeing yeah. all of our food photos on social media. Yeah, I was going to say, when we when we knew we were going to be locked in quarantine, we decided to go ahead and start posting some recipe videos. And I make some cocktails, so I show you how to make some different cocktails. So if you go to the Chef Naveen YouTube channel, we started posting videos there. And we post everything from, we kind of started with a quarantine mindset, you know, like, how can you make rice three separate ways? You know, you rice is something you have in your pantry, and how can you make it so it's not boring every time? Uh, but, you know, we offer, we realize, you know, like there's so many different things people can make. And so uh, we post a lot of those recipes online and I hope to continue to post there and, uh, you know, hopefully grow that. Yeah. And I know that our eventual plan is to hopefully move out to California and try to do more opportunities out there. Um, Andrew's extremely funny. And so, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I want him, I want him to. <laughs> Uh, pursue his career in comedy. Um, and like I said, if there's opportunities for me, either as a chef or Mystica Masala, I'm definitely open to it. So we'll see. We're open to all of the possibilities that are going to be coming our way. That's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. I'll ask you our last question that I ask all our guests. Um, for both of you, if you could give advice to your younger selves, what would you say? Oh, I know what I would say instantly. It was something my parents always told me as a kid, but I don't, I don't think it took until I got a little older to realize it's like, basically you can do anything you set your mind to. What I actually read that is now as an adult is you have an inner saboteur that can take control if you allow it. Uh, basically, you know, like every chance you get, you have an opportunity to say yes or no. And the people that take the opportunities are the people that, you know, succeed usually. So I would always tell myself to always be true to yourself and always take those risks yeah, I would definitely say listen to your gut and follow your intuition and be the truest form of yourself that you can be. You don't have to be a certain way just because society tells you to be a certain way. You can be your own individual person and really add value to not only your own life, but other people that are around you. So definitely push yourself to outside your comfort zone and continue to take risks that are going to make you the most well-rounded person that you can be. 
I love both of those. I, I always find it fascinating when folks answer this question because I think the advice is still so relevant. It's also to our younger selves, but it's still today. Like I, I, fo- I need to follow both of those. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, it's probably, and it's probably information I'll use in the future too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. um, in our last segment, I'll switch over to uh, a couple of fun things. Uh, we do a little bit of a rapid fire round and then we'll do like an Instagram social media round. So if you're up for it, a few rapid fire questions so anything that comes to mind, it doesn't have to be super rapid, <laughs> but just like one one or two word answers. Also, both of you can answer this in any order, but uh, for both of you, what's your favorite food? Chile relleno. Mine's pizza, hands down. <laughs> pizza? Any particular toppings? I love Supreme. Pretty much if you can put on a pizza, I want it on top. <laughs> <laughs> I want all the calories and I want ranch on the side to dip it in. I've been making them <laughs> garlic naan pizzas, yeah. which are like amazing. Nice. And I mean, they, yeah, they've been hitting the spot. Yeah. Favorite Desi food or Tex-Mex food or your own fusion food? Uh, favorite of both of you? Well, I love chicken tikka masala. That is like one of my favorite dishes. But I absolutely love our tikka queso. It is so freaking good. It's like a chili con carne queso without meat. I mean, you can add meat if you want, but it's just, it's spectacular. It's really good. It depends on what meal, because I love dosa in the morning if I can have it. But I love, of course, any kind of tikka masala is going to be great. But I actually love sog paneer is one of those things that is so far off from uh, any, you know, normal white cuisine, <laughs> but but for some reason, very familiar to me. I love it. I don't know. There's just something very comforting about it. And anytime you can add cheese into a vegetable, I love oh, yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I mean, queso has it all. That's why it's like top notch, right? Um, for both of you or Naveen specifically, like a uh, worst recipe or a recipe disaster, like something you just absolutely hate making or can't get right. <laughs> well, you know, I... Pesto is a little bit hard for me. Um, it's sometimes really a hit or sometimes it's not. So, you know, I was doing this kale pesto, so trying to make it a little bit on the healthier mm-hmm. side, and it just did not turn out right. So after two attempts, I was like, okay, this is just not going to be part of my recipe repertoire I think, for sure. Yeah, I think my biggest uh, flubs is whenever I try to do sweet on top of sweet in a cocktail. Uh, mm-hmm. Like if you have a rum base and you try to add something to it that might be extra sweet where it almost just tastes like cough syrup. Those are the things I uh, cringe at the most because, you know, alcohol is expensive. And once you pour that drink, it looks really good and it tastes <laughs> horrible. You, you can't, you know, <laughs> it's can't messed get it up. Back. It's too late. <laughs> yeah. In a non-COVID world, uh, for both of you, what's a favorite date night activity for you guys? We love going and having Thai food together. That is like definitely something that we love doing. And we always order extra spicy we always joke about it because, you know, obviously both of us go in together and we both order the exact same dish the same way. And they always happen to make mine always spicier than his. So it's just <laughs> funny always to do with that. Uh, we do actually love going to the drag shows pretty regularly. We go almost once a week. Um, we like going to that for about an hour, hour and a half. And then we go out to Roundup, which is this huge country gay bar in Dallas um, and we'll dance for another hour, hour and a half. And then if we really want to make it a late night, we'll dance a little bit more at station four after hours. So that's something that we really enjoy doing because we're so busy during the week with all of our restaurants. That literally is like the moment we can have a little bit of a breather and we enjoy dancing, both of us. So it's just a way to get out and have some fun. When it comes to the show, did you guys have a favorite city that you visited? I will tell you out of all the cities I think Santa Barbara was, well, I'll tell you this. 
I liked it because it was beautiful and gorgeous and a pretty high end feeling. But I'll tell you, it lacked diversity big time. <laughs> I mean, it literally was, I, I, it was clear to me as soon as I got there, I was like, okay, I hope we do well here. You know, it's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of old white rich people, but the city itself is really beautiful for sure. I really enjoyed Palm Springs. I didn't enjoy the heat because it was 117 degrees and I felt like <laughs> I, it was like worse than India. I mean, it felt like so it freaking hot. Um, but. Palm Springs really is beautiful and it has a really fun culture. And I think, you know, you have obviously the people that come there to party and be glamorous. And then you have the people that are there to kind of relax relax and and be chill. So you can kind of get a best of both worlds. So we were saying it'd be fun to go to Coachella one of these years and, and kind of experience it that way. So, and we met a lot of amazing people in Palm Springs. So I definitely want to go back there when it's a little bit, you this, know, cooler way, temperature. Do you like this rapid, this is supposed to be a rapid fire round and you just, Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I told you, I told you we I like to it. talk. We like to talk. So after 13 years, I get to interject and say those things too. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're totally fine. The stories inevitably make the rapid a little better, so don't worry yeah. about it. Um, my last rapid fire question is, is your favorite challenge from the show? I mean, there were so many great ones, but do you have a favorite one? The Jet one, for sure. I mean, obviously we won. It was the first episode. It really set the bar for us in the show. But I love the um, challenge because we have catered for private jets, and I love that kind of bougie experience so to incorporate an Indian twist to it just made it even more special. So, you know, my favorite thing that I, uh, we did on the show as a challenge was the, we were at a winery and we had to do a savory and a sweet item. Our savory item was fried chicken with this, uh, Palau rice with this Chardonnay cream sauce. And we soaked the Palau raisins in Chardonnay. That was really good. But the dessert I made too was with using the red and I basically kind of wanted something that was like, I was like, what could be Texas? And I was like, oh, the state fair has like fried food. We have, we're known for our fried foods, obviously the state fair. So I made this little mini funnel cake, but I actually put marshmallow cream on it rather than vanilla. So it wouldn't melt in the sun. And uh, then we had like a compote that was made from that uh, red wine. But oh my gosh, it, it was so good. It looks so good. And so I was really excited about that. Kind of want to make that now. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Our last segment is a social media segment. So I personally am fascinated with Instagram and just the evolution that it has gone under in the last few years. So we called this last part reality versus Instagram. So for both of you, how many takes does it take for you to get the perfect selfie? Oh, I would say maybe like two times. Okay, I'll tell you this. <laughs> if, you, if you zoom in on this man's skin, you will not see a pore at all. So that's why... He can take one or two selfies and he has the most beautiful skin. I'm the person that'll be probably take 20 just to get one that might work out. <laughs> I was going to say my, two sounds my, low. Yeah. My selfies have gone down, you know, in the past couple of years. Not yeah. that I'm anti-selfie, but you know. Or even for food photos. I mean, um, how, how many takes do you think it, it takes to get a good? Oh, for sure. One or two. I mean, we're down to that um, skill set. You know, we find the perfect lighting perfect plating and then we just knock it out and it's almost when you post as much as we do as far as food goes and our passions you know how it is you want to make that editing process any creative app whether you're doing a podcast or whether you're doing you know any kind of food you want to make that quick and simple and easy and so we try to take a couple photos and post it (laughs) (laughs) we work work really great under pressure so that's where you're going to get us being the most productive so if we need to knock out a bunch of projects we let it to just do it quickly and get it done 
I love that. Um, do you have a go-to filter or do you, are you like team no filter? I personally do certain filters um, and it's mainly to bring out the sharpness of the food rather than anything else, just so that way you can see edges a little bit more. But outside of that, we usually try to shoot most of the food. I feel like if, as long as you can get a really good natural light source, that's not overexposed, that's probably your best bet. I like both. I mean, I think sometimes you're using filters to get it to pop out a little bit more or enhance the photo. But I also love if you can capture the natural beauty of something and be able to do no filter at all. So it you know, just kind of depends on obviously the shot and where you're at. Back in my marketing days, you know, you do all the food photography tricks of the trade for clients and we are not like crayon coloring in shrimp tails here and stuff like that. So <laughs> we're going to shoot it as is and try to make it look the best, you know, as it is on the plate. But that's one thing too. I mean, I, again, I'm biased, but I'm very lucky because he cooks a lot at home, especially here in quarantine. So everything is even plated beautifully because I know it's going to go on the gram. So he's got it plated. It looks beautiful. It tastes amazing. And so. I always give, always give him the nicer plate. So <laughs> yeah. I'm like my, the Indian mom in me is like, you'll get the nicer portion and the nicer plate for sure. And she's also like, why aren't you eating all of that? And I'm like, okay, I'll get to it. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Um, do you guys have, you have a favorite hashtag or, or one that you like to use? Hashtag winner right now. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean please don't as, stop using that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm definitely trying to use that as much as possible. I've been using hashtag quarantine a lot because I know a lot of people are following that and, you know, posting all of their creativity for sure. So those are my two top two right now. Yeah, I don't know. I probably use hashtag gay beard. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I try to follow the trends and see what gets the most likes. I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> I like that. Um, dogs, memes, or babies, which would you follow on Instagram? Dog. Oh, dogs. Yeah. Yeah. We're fur babies. We have two fur babies. Yeah. <laughs> um, and lastly, do you have a favorite account or person that you like to follow? I wouldn't say like I'm obsessed with one person's like Instagram necessarily, but I will say we've been watching uh, Never Have I Ever, uh, the Mindy Kaling um, show on Netflix. And shout out to her because like, oh my God, that show is so good. Like she's really been able to capture everybody. So now I'm following her and I'm yeah. like, you know, liking all of her stuff. So uh, any love and support I can show her away, I'm absolutely going to do that. Yeah, I like to follow two accounts. One is more fun and social. It's called Bulge and the number two, the word go. It sounds provocative and it is. It's a lot of uh, funny gay uh, memes and stuff like that, but I love that one. And then Chef uh, Stuart o- O'Keefe, he's with Food Network and he's a friend of a friend on the West Coast, but... All of his posts and all of his food are incredible and they're gorgeous. And so uh, you can kind of get lost just looking at his photos. <laughs> I love that. Both of those are great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check them out. That's all the questions I had for you guys. I really appreciate you being on. Congrats once again on winning this show. And Thank I would you. love Thank for you. you to shout out, you know, your social media and all your stuff where people can follow what you're doing, both, you know, COVID-wise yeah. and beyond. Yeah, for everything Mystica Masala, you can go to dragfoodtruck.com, dragfoodtruck.com. You can actually go on there. You can see uh, photos from the show that we had. You can actually go on there and get your own drag name. We have a drag queen name generator. So you can go on there for that. And we also put up all of our swag. And in addition to our swag, we have some really fun stuff. Like we have this drag queen uh, name cup that has all the different drag names that we handed out on the show. And then we have even seasonings on there. We just launched our spices on there. So you can get 
our tikka masala mix. You can get our tandoori uh, mix there as well as other yeah. freshly ground spices. So uh, a lot of spices we use in the food you can buy on that website now. So that's pretty awesome. And those same handles, Mystica Masala Food Truck is also on Instagram and Facebook. And from there, you'll see us post everything from our restaurant, Spice in the City Dallas and Lucky Cat Vegan. We post on there all the time too. And they have their own social media handles under the same names. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on the show and congrats once again. It was just wonderful to see your guys' journey and I'm so excited to see what you do next. Thanks, Thank Priya. you so much for having us. Thank we you. We appreciate it. Take care. Yeah, take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Queering Daisy. If you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to rate and subscribe on iTunes to help us spread the word and to make sure you get the latest episodes right to your phone. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Queering Daisy. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please feel free to reach us on social media or drop us an email at queeringdaisy at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.